The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are watching Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella. It is a pleasure to have you here this week. Oh, yes. It is that new format smell. You smell it? I'm so, so excited for the first time in its way too many year history. Break the Business is something you can see. We are live streaming for the first time for our new weekly live stream podcast, uh, for those of you who still love the podcast, don't worry. The podcast is not going anywhere. We're still going to have that up. What you're listening to now is going to be a podcast on Sundays. But right now, here on Wednesdays, we are doing this live, folks. And I'm sure there will be lots of mistakes, and you get to see all of them. But thankfully, I'm not here to make these mistakes alone. I am joined by awesome co-hosts, Evan and Elisa. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. <laughs> there it is. Mistake number one. Are we... <laughs> I had to click that button. I had to click that button. I had to click that button. Hello. Hi, guys. I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited to have you here. So many of your podcast listeners have never seen your face before, and this is going to be a... Oh, my God. We got face reveal. Face reveal. Ah! (laughs) This is great. Because that's absolutely a thing, right? I mean, think of all the radio hosts you've always enjoyed. And then the first time you see them, it's usually kind of disappointing, right? You're like, "Ooh, that's, oh, that's yeah. not what I oh, that's yeah. not the face I envisioned with that voice." I don't want to know what people are was thinking. Was it Mr. Right Scream? What, what what was the Wayne's World thing? Mr. Uh, Mr. Scream or Oh no, it was uh, Handsome Handsome Dan. Handsome Dan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now I can't remember the name of the actor who was actually Handsome Dan and mm. Oh, I, I think I actually know this. Just so obscure. We're going to oh, talk about music industry, I promise. But first, totally. we need to identify the actors in like a 25-year-old movie. So worth it. Handsome. Well, the guy they thought no, was it's, um, no, the guy they thought was handsome. Dan was Ted Ted McGinley, who's like the yes. handsome guy in everything. And then yes. I think the actual handsome Dan was it Dan Castellaneta, like the voice no. actor. No, or Harry Shearer, no. one, one of the ha- Simpsons. Harry Shearer, thank you, Harry Shearer. Uh, I knew it was a Simpsons voice. I knew I was close. So this is a show about the music. Wait, wait, industry. wait! But the other guy, but the other guy, wasn't he the husband on Married with Children or something? Yes, Ted C. Yeah, McGinley. Mr. Scream. He's okay. the guy you bring on a sitcom that's like dying, and then once you bring him on, you know that the sitcom's over in like less than a half season. That's my entire IMDb credits right there. I'm just the guy you bring on for sitcoms. I'm here to look good. <laughs> you are and definitely podcasts, bringing apparently. the handsome this week. There is no doubt it's about true. that, Evan. It is true. So let me just give like for, for for the new people because this is and we're off the rail. There are some live streamers who maybe are coming across this program who've never listened to the podcast. This is brand new for them. So here's a quick uh, initiation. I'm an indie entertainment lawyer. I represent independent creators. I love independent creators. You guys are my life and my passion. And for the fast fast five years. I've hosted the Break the Business podcast, which is a program all about empowering you guys. We bring interviews, we have fun, we talk about news information, all about empowering independent creators, whether you're musicians or voice actors or live streamers, podcasters, whatever you do. If you're indie, we want to help make you successful. And so uh, I got the idea of being inspired by Evan and Elisa, who've done a lot of great stuff in this space. I wanted to go into live streaming because I wanted to go where the creators are. You guys are already here, and I'm, you know, the grown-up coming in and ruining your party. <laughs> How do you do, fellow kids? Uh, you kids like Zima? Hey! <laughs> exactly right. Thank you, Ryan, for making us feel young. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes, so that's that's what, and so we're, we're here for you guys, and I want you to always remember that. So I don't want this show to be... A one-way street. I'm, you know, we're happy to give you all the information you want, but I want you to get the most out of this. So if there's ever a topic that you want us to talk about, a question that you want answered, a person that you want interviewed in the entertainment industry, reach out to us. The email address is breakthebusiness at gmail.com. Let me know on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Let me know what we can do to make this show as awesome as possible for the indie creators like you. That's what it's all about. So we're going to talk about the entertainment industry and talk about how we can make your careers as big as they possibly can be. We're going to have some fun along the way, too. We're going to talk a lot of nonsense <laughs> because, you know, even for somebody like me who does this for a living, 
gets boring talking about it all the time. Uh, but we have we have great guests as well. In the second segment, after the commercial break, we will be joined by Tim Exile of Endless Studio. You're going to like this guest, Evan. Uh, by the way, Evan, producer, musician. Uh, Tim Exile is the founder Handsome. of the app Endless Studio, which is a cloud-based record, a uh, cloud-based uh, collaborative recording app. So you can uh, record stuff from your various DAWs on your computers, cloud-based. And each, and you can record together with other people and like work on an album together remotely, which is pretty great given where we are now all stuck in our homes. I have so many questions for that. Well, yes. <laughs> well, and I would normally have you ask all of them, except this guest was pre-recorded. <laughs> Way to give but, it away, right? But most of the guests that we're going to have are going to be live, but we pre-recorded this one this week because it's the first episode. And you try to get somebody to come on live to a podcast that's never run before, except for you two. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Um, so that's coming up in the second To be segment. fair, our parts are also pre-recorded. You're just doing a really well job at talking around them. So when I just blurt out random things, you'll be off the mark is pretty much how we're going. This is great. Oh, God, that's funny. All right. So the first thing I want to talk to you Yeah, my family's about. doing great, man. Thanks for asking. I'll, I'll, I'll stop. How's the family? <laughs> well, now you have to my talk parents got their them. first shots actually they're doing great that is great news that All is right. great news that's, and that's by awesome. the way because this is the magic of of live tv just want to give a, a special shout out to everybody who is joining us in the live show chat here on twitch.tv slash break the business um shout out to some of the elisa rock doc regulars are hanging out in the chat so shout out to them and thank you for uh, checking out a really cool show Leeching off Elisa's audience to get people to watch my stream. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> That's totally what's happening. I think you got your new stream starting soon song right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got that in the clear. We're going to make that a drop for next week. Perfect. Hey. Uh, so I, I want to talk to you guys about something that I noticed in the UK of all places. Uh, stories have been reported by all, all the entertainment outlets recently about how the UK Parliament has, for the last couple months, I think since October of last year, held a parliamentary inquiry, kind of like a congressional hearing like we have here in the States, where they've been bringing all the label heads and all the DSP people like in for a hearing to basically yell at them about all the things that are wrong with music streaming. You know, they, they, uh, last week they brought in the head of Universal, and they were like, hey, head of Universal, isn't it pretty weird that you know, you, you guys own a piece of Spotify, but you're also like a customer of Spotify. Isn't that a little conflict of interesty? Doesn't that sort of hurt indie artists? And then asked another guy, hey, Spotify, uh, you know, you're only paying three tenths of a cent per stream and all the other guys are paying six tenths of a cent. Not that any of that that's high. Don't you think that's a little messed up? And it was a really welcome development. And I was I was jarred by it. And the main reason I was jarred by it is where's that hearing in the United States? <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, like this we've is obviously a little busy. Why, why is only Europe caring about this? Well, we've been a little busy. Also, Brexit right now. Like, they're busy, too. We've been busy with the whole, like, insurrection thing. That's fair. But Spotify's been around a lot longer than the insurrection has. They had plenty this of time true. to get to this. But Spotify has lobbying money. That's why. Yeah. Hey. Well, oh, hey, conversation. It's been a great week. Talk to you soon. Yeah, right. right. Good night, everybody. I want to see this hearing, though. I want... I want is I want Maxine Waters to like take the take, Reclaiming take my Daniel time. Eck to task and like reclaim Reclaiming her time six hundred times. Yes, I want Although, that. Uh, <laughs> so a, do I. A, a a question for some of our newer listeners, um, uh, in in case we have some new acronyms, um, DSP might be a new acronym to some folks. What would that oh, mean? Dig, digital streaming platform. So Got your it. Spotify's, uh-huh. your Apple Music's, your Pandora's, as a ah. as the the mom from Shit's Creek would call it. Um, so the uh, yeah that that's what that's all you know that but the the point is and you guys said it exactly right and I think this is the overarching principle that you you indie artist indie creator listeners I want you to understand this okay nobody cares about you guys and that's a problem damn all right well like think about all, think about all of the major. <laughs> Well, when I say nobody, we care about you. Elisa cares about you. Evan cares about you. But the people in power, okay? When Think about all the times we've seen American congressional hearings involving the entertainment industry. It's they bring Twitch up on the stand because they are upset about 
streamers being able to use uh, record labels music without permission. Or it's like the PMRC back in the 80s mad because D. Snyder and, and Luther Campbell are using swear words. They're always about things that help the big indie, the big industry, the record labels, the major uh, motion picture studio places. We don't see the congressional hearings about how to help indie artists. And that's this because is called late stage capitalism. Yeah. Hey. And there's nobody <laughs> fighting for this group, right? Um, you know, the, the major motion picture, they have the MPAA. The labels have the RIAA. Uh, big time performers, they have like AFTRA and, and the Recording Academy. But the people that are listening to this show, like we don't have the voice that speaks for us in Congress. And it let, you know, let it be clear, a lot of the things that indie artists need are not things that are addressed by the law, right? Like the Music Modernization Act, okay, fine, it paid songwriters a little more, but like, you know, getting four-tenths of a cent versus three-tenths of a cent per stream isn't going to pay your rent. Like, you guys need, you know, you, you guys need, like, uh, unemployment for mixed-income earners, which you didn't have until 2021. You guys need health care, which you did not have until very recently. And so one of the things that I think we should, I, I want to try to impart on this show is, Getting indie musicians and indie creators of all stripes to understand that your needs are different from the needs of the rest of the entertainment industry, whether it's big uh, companies like labels or it's big time artists like Beyonce and Jay-Z. They have different needs and wants than you. And you guys, we need to band together and start reaching out to your legislators now about saying, hey, you know, when you get done with that whole insurrection thing and you know, maybe maybe call a hearing or two about asking these streaming services why they pay six tenths of a cent per stream, or why Spotify pays three tenths of a cent per stream. And I know Evan, this is something that is like your your cause of your life uh, because it, I, I know you hate streaming services. It's no, I love streaming services. That's that's the only way we should get music. It's it's the it's technology. This is how technology moves, and the. People like Spotify that run in at the at the beginning and make this technology available also crush the cost of it. Like, I, it's not viable. It's, streaming is not viable for the people making the content. And it's viable for the that, labels. Oh, like, it's plenty viable. The for, yeah, like, but labels like, don't for, make for any big content. content companies. It's great, but no, but labels don't make content. <laughs> well, sure. For for the big content owners, sorry. There you go. A very important distinction, right? When you're dealing in big volumes, you know you're gonna you're gonna make out fine on streaming, but. For the indie creators, for you know, for the for the lower middle class of the music industry, you can't pay your rent on three tenths of a cent a stream per time. You could potentially pay your rent nine ninety nine at a time when people are buying your albums on Bandcamp. But as the industry shifts into a streaming based industry and music becomes less of a product and more of just a thing to stream, that's going to hurt indie creators a lot more than it hurts the big artists. Yeah, and yeah, but nobody's gonna fight for us. There's <laughs> well, that's why we're here, baby. Except for Ryan. Except for Ryan. <laughs> right, but but that's but but look look. Let me put it to you this way. But like, I I don't underestimate the power of the big people or, or the little guy in big numbers. Okay, we've seen no better example of this than what we've seen <laughs> the last week, where a whole bunch of people on Reddit, a whole bunch of normal everyday people on Reddit, are destroying hedge funds left and right by buying up GameStop stock. And so, you know, like th there's power in our numbers. That's the one thing that we have over the other groups. Like they have their I lobbying, <laughs> they have their resources. We have the numbers. So like it's 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 calling members of Congress. It's protesting about these things. I've seen the little guy crush a lot of bad law for indie artists with numbers. Like you remember the the SOPA Act, the Stop Online Piracy Act that came mm. out. And, Sopa and Pipa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like these laws were going to potentially be bad for indie creators because they were going to destroy a lot of the platforms that indie creators use. And what crushed it? A whole bunch of, like, you know, regular people making memes on the internet <laughs> until the uh, legislator re legislators relented. So there's power there, but we just need to use it. Power to the music players, as it were. <laughs> Bringing it back to that GameStop thing was insane. Can we talk about <laughs> I want to talk about this because, like, like I'm not I'm I'm not like a finance person, but I know enough about finance to know how completely insane what happened is. Okay, GameStop and and Elisa for for to introduce people to Elisa, although most of the people watching are Elisa's audience right now. <laughs> uh, in addition, be in addition to being a musician, songwriter, professor, 
Um, she's also very experienced in the gaming industry. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to, you know, would, would it be uncouth if I, I mean, like, went over your resume? She's the voice of I mean, Tyree Calypso in Borderlands I mean, 3 and was uh, a revelation. Really talented oh. voice actress. Oh, and has worked on. in the video game industry for a long time. So, Elisa, you know, like, GameStop, okay, oh, is God. not a... But by all fundamentals, is not a great investment, or at least it wasn't six days ago. Okay, it's a retailer, right? Brick and mortar, trying Correct. to sell video games out of a box. And if our discussion yep. about streaming services taught us anything, selling IP out of a box isn't the way to go anymore. And then we've created this scenario where uh, all the hedge funds are shorting GameStop. Shorting meaning basically you're betting on GameStop to go down in stock, which which you often to do. The with was to that? the tune of 140% of their, what was it? It's like they overestimated uh, their value by 140%. That's why they're in trouble right now. Well, the they've hedge lost funds. billions. Well, because yeah. here's the thing about shorting a stock, and I'm going to try not going to be too finance bro-y about this. When you generally invest in a stock, and like basically you're betting on it to go up, the worst case scenario, the worst thing that can possibly happen is you lose what you invested. When you short a stock, you're basically having somebody loan you the stock at one price, and then when it goes down, you buy the stock at the cheaper price and then give the, the, the stock back to the person that loaned it to you, and then you keep the difference. And so, But the problem with shorting is if the stock goes up, you're in big trouble because you have to cover the short and you have to eat the cost. And unlike a regular investment where all you can lose is your total investment— in a short situation, if the stock goes high enough, you can lose five, six, seven times or more of your investment, like what's happening with these GameStop, uh, with, the, with these hedge funds that tried to short GameStop. And then a bunch of people on Reddit said, hey, I think I know how we can mess with the hedge funds just for the lulls. Let's, 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 let's all pull our resources together. Every last one of us on whatever the subreddit was called, Wall Street Bests. Wall Street yeah, Bets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's buy a bunch of this stock, and, all, and we don't have to keep buying it forever. All we have to do is buy it enough that the hedge funds have to eventually need to cover their short positions, buy stock to cover that short position, and then cause the stock to go such that now GameStop is a $25 billion company. Curious to know the uh, last time GameStop ran profits like that. I, mean, I feel so... Oh, Reggie. I just feel so bad for Reggie. Who's Reggie? Who's Reggie's Reggie? got a board. Reggie feels that May has a board seat at GameStop, I think. Ex-president of Nintendo of America, Ex Reggie. First oh, name. God. Beloved. Absolutely beloved. And I just feel, I, I don't know, I feel, I feel so bad because the reason that, you know, you're not just targeting any specific stock. You're targeting GameStop, which, if you look at the, di like, you know, the Venn diagram of the Reddit audience and the audience that kind of knows how maligned GameStop has been over the last five to ten years, that's damn near a circle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it's a clear pick for the lulls based on this kind of, like, social brand identity that they currently have, which I super feel bad that they have to dig themselves out of and pivot somehow and then you know and then of course trying to do a retail in a in an industry that is increasingly online and then a pandemic hits <laughs> and then this happens so my big question for GameStop is you know like we have friends that work for GameStop right yeah when I think the Reddit's trying to get the stock price over a thousand dollars and at that point everybody's going to sell Right. Everybody sells and the hedge fund's going to have to make up that money and they're going to have to come up with that money and they're going to go out of business and the FDIC is going to cover it. That's how that was explained to me. What oh, happens yeah. to the their stock price? Have to bail them out probably. Yeah. Ex who's the government going to bail out? The hedge fund? Well, I mean, the, the, you, <laughs> the hedge funds manipulate the markets all the time. Right. Yeah. Like that's what they do. But, like, when the market manipulation hurts them, now you're going to start to see calls for regulations. Oh, we can't let these things happen. And, you know, and, and now, right, you'll see. I mean, I don't know if hedge funds are going to get bailed. <laughs> Commenter <laughs> writes in, stocks are horoscopes for dudes. <laughs> I, I, they can be in that. My mom's invested right now. Like, you, you have to understand when it comes to. What happened with GameStop? You couldn't do this with any company, any, every company. Like, you could not do this to Apple, all right? For, for, for this to happen, you need a perfect storm of three things. One, 
company with a small market cap. They can't have a lot of money. Two, you need to have few a few outstanding shares such that if you buy enough shares at the low price, you can actually move the stock with like a bunch of people together. And then the third thing you need is something that nerds on Reddit care about. Because <laughs> like, there are plenty of, of stocks that, and, and right, and it has to be a stock that like a bunch of people are shorting, right? So it's like Redditors care about this stock and they know that hedge funds are betting against it. So let's try to screw with the hedge funds. And that's, so like you can't do this with every stock, but for the ones you can do it with, yeah, you can make a lot of mischief and, and make a lot of silly things happen in the markets. But this is, but I think it gets to the broader point is this is the advantage that indie creators have the same one that the Reddit Redditors have numbers. This is how you make legislators care about the things that matter to indie artists like healthcare, like making sure that there's unemployment benefits for mixed income earners. Like many, I don't know, man. Uh, artists are i remember the the napster and the blowout the blow up that uh metallica got from that and lars Ulrich and blah 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 and when when napster was first happening i was watching x play or some video game show which is even funnier and there was a guy <laughs> wearing a t-shirt that says i pirate music and he was taking a stand saying that like no i this is I, i'm not breaking any laws or whatever and it's really dumb to do on a television show and as a host especially to kind of promote stealing like that <laughs> which napster was stealing it would people were stealing ip content yeah. right yeah. but the 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 consensus that i saw from the rest of the world while while musicians are on stage saying they're stealing from us the consensus was fuck you I don't care. I'm getting my music either way. And honestly, as as much as I would love streaming profits to go up, I don't think you're going to get anybody other than musicians. And there aren't as as many indie indie musicians as there are. There's not enough people to swing the Congress. Like they don't care. People are enjoying the fact that they pay ten bucks a month and they get all this music for ostensibly free. And I think know? especially it's it's going to be hard training. Training a um, a generation, especially that is used to only getting their music this way, and only being able to listen to a YouTube video, or even being exposed to stuff like on YouTube, on Twitch, where fair use is, and there's like no, there's there's absolutely no concept of of what IP law is and what a copyright is and what ownership is and all of that stuff because it's just like I just push a button i just get it for free um so it's it's i think going to it's it's a question of how do we somehow train folks to think of art to have some sort of value well, the other thing is if you give it if you <laughs> if, if you give people if you give it to them for free for so long and now you and then you want to come back and say well no actually now we're gonna have to raise the prices they're not going to want to do that. Like the people that listen, like they don't want their their cost to go up. Cough gold. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> still, but like <sighs> Spotify is going to have to take the hit here. If if you know, they're going to have to start getting a, 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 an office with cheaper rent and actually paying artists yeah. and stop taking so much off the top because the the price of the the price of admission is not going to be able to go up because people are going to title or Apple Music or whatever, you know what I mean? And all of those, you know, all of those other platforms are just as guilty. Everybody says title and, and YouTube and whatever, everybody else is better, but nobody's good. Nobody's put forth like a sustainable market for streaming music. Well, so one of, the, one of the things that I would like to see talked about more. It's starting to be talked about, but like something that's really seriously entertained by streaming services is user-centric royalties. I've been mm. really chatting a lot about this lately, but I think part of one of the reasons why indie artists can be adversely affected by the streaming services is because of how royalties are calculated. So what we have now with streaming services is a, uh, is a what's called a pro rata pool. So the way streaming gets paid out, for, for those of you who are uh, for, unfamiliar with this, is basically... All the money we all pay to Spotify, Elisa's $9.99, my $9.99, oh, you, and, uh, you and Elisa are probably on a family plan or something, but all of our streaming amounts, we got, you know, it's, it's a good deal, you know, two, of course. It is. Yeah. So all that money goes into a giant pot. Everybody's money goes into a pot. And then you get your royalties based on your proportion of how many times your songs were streamed relative to the whole. So if Crimson <laughs> was 
you know, 10% of the songs that were streamed on Spotify in a month are Crimson songs, you guys would get 10% of the total royalty pool. That'd be a really good month for you. You'd probably never be on this show again. But <laughs> um, the problem with that model, or at least as it's you know surmised, because there hasn't been a lot of studies done on this yet, but the problem with a model like that is it tends to probably help bigger artists, right? Because the yoga studio down your block that's just playing top 40 radio all day, uh, you know, 24 hours on continuous loop, the you know, those people are going to get a bigger proportion of that overall pool because that stuff's streamed all day. Meanwhile, if I spend my whole month streaming nothing but Crimson songs, Elisa, which I've probably done. Oh, thank you. You know, on, on a particular month here or there, you know, mm. you still see very little money because I'm not going to stream as much as the yoga studio does. So that's the current model. What I think streaming services should be looking more into is this idea of user-centric royalties. So rather than having one big pool of royalties, treat every Spotify account, every Apple Music account as its own little pool. So the $9.99 that I spent, if I spend the whole month listening to nothing but Crimson songs, you should get my whole $9.99 instead of me subsidizing the yoga studio. And I think that generally, indie artists, my, my hypothesis is that indie artists, the Crimsons of the world, the, uh, you know, the, a lot of the guests that we've had on this podcast, Marion Call. Try More Mojo. Try hey. More Mojo. That's right. I haven't, I've tried, okay, I haven't, given near, given, haven't given enough love to your band. I'm sorry. Right. The bands <laughs> that, I think, the, I, I surmise that the bands that are in that group tend to have those kind of listeners, right? The ones that'll just spend half their streams listening to nothing but one artist. And so instead of only getting you know, $8 a month or less, like you might get, you know, a whole nine ninety nine just from one listener. If they do nothing but binge your music for a month, I think that's more fair. I think that's going to be more fair to indie artists most likely. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it's something that should be considered, but here's the problem. The labels aren't going to go for that because they like the yoga studio approach. And well, the so, labels are invested in Spotify. Right, and the labels oh, yeah. like invest in Spotify. And by the way, they have the most content, right? So if if Apple Music's like, hey, we want to try this uh, crazy idea with uh, with uh, user centric royalties because we heard about it on Ryan's podcast, and they're like, oh, that's cool. All right, we'll just pull our entire catalog <laughs> off of Apple Music mm-hmm. um, if you do that. So have fun. I mean. <sighs> So this isn't the first time this has come up, even on this show, even with me on this show, because you and I talked about this exact idea. I love. I think when you were when, when you're still in two digit uh, uh, episode numbers. Hey. Um, so it's it's taken a long time to not happen. The other point that I might mention on this is that, yeah, that that's great. So even if it's user centric, so my I only listen to Crimson. I only listen to my own band. Sure, that's all I listen to. And, and you I pay nine ninety nine. Try more Mojo. Damn. Well, them too. Still, so we're gonna sp- we're gonna split my nine ninety my nine ninety nine between Crimson and Try More Mojo. No, we're not. We're gonna split whatever Spotify deems of that nine ninety nine. So yeah, send me two cents. It doesn't matter, dude. Spotify is gonna get their money regardless. Spotify is the evil. The streaming services are the evil in this, and they are a necessary evil. But they're making this really hard for people that are trying to make a living doing it. The overhead does seem to be sort of problematic. I mean, and again, I'm no tech genius, but it would seem to me that running a music streaming service shouldn't necessarily require that much overhead, right? I mean, mm. if you're investing in playlisting algorithms space. or whatever, but, like, it's a program that you tell Siri what you want to listen to, and then it plays it. And, yeah, and, but that's and it bouncing must not be that hard because there's a ton of streaming services out there. What was that? Well, it's just a lot of server space, and, and you're, they're, playing, they're paying Amazon or, or Azure or whatever to host these these songs somewhere, and the bandwidth to send so many millions of people to these servers every day is very expensive. Mm-hmm. The other idea is but the that uh, expensive? No, no. <laughs> Spotify could afford to no. pay people really well. How about that? But the other issue is the 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 accounting portion where the user centric thing, instead of one big one Excel spreadsheet that has all the songs and well, you know, Rihanna got put so many plays this I don't even know if she's put out an album later uh, lately. But um where's she uh who where has Reeve been? Making my she, making she's most making of makeup. my makeup Put is that on, on the my top face. And scroll at the bottom. Where's Riri been? She's been making all of the makeup that I'm. She's making way more money on makeup than she ever did on making on music, so much money off of me. Oh man, that's always Good how gravy. it is. <sighs> yeah. Like, I, but it, but here's the thing. I will say, Rihanna is one of the only people that has actually put out a makeup brand 
and it's actually good quality. It's actually high quality stuff. So shouts to her for actually doing it correctly. Well, but anyway, but to, 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 sorry, but to finish my the point but, that I never. But got, see, even she has to put out a whole ass makeup line because she's not making enough money on Spotify either. I'm sure. No, she's That's probably a doing good point. Okay. Put a pin in that. But Evan, I know you had something, and we keep interrupting you with reread. <laughs> well, I keep forgetting it too, and I remembered it, and I think I forgot it again. So let's just move on. No, so the user-centric model, right? We yeah. have one Excel sheet, and, and then Riri puts out a song and then gets tons of money from it. Now you have to make an Excel spreadsheet for every single user, and there's no way they want to put that kind of money into that kind of back end. You know what I, I mean? mean? I, like, it's going to cost them so much more to what? Pay musicians? That's not Spotify's... Spotify has no interest in paying anybody. They've made that very clear. So I, I have no idea what the back end would be for something like that. I know that Deezer, which is a lesser-known streaming service relative to Spotify has said they want to look at user-centric and they want to seriously do it, but they're trying to get the labels behind them. So like that at least suggests to me that one streaming services service thinks that this is operationally possible. I'm sure the labels are just not going to have that. Well, that is the other problem. Now, <laughs> I want to get back to Elisa's point about Rihanna having to do a makeup line because that is, <laughs> that is a broader point, I think, about the new music industry that I think underscores what we're talking about on this podcast, Okay. The top shelf artists today, the wealthiest of the wealthy, they're not making their, I mean, they're making a little bit of money on streaming, but most of them, if they, if they are super insanely wealthy, it's because they've invested in other businesses at this point, or they've done other entertainment projects because the, because the numbers in entertainment have changed. Like think about, think about 20 years ago. Okay. If you told Mariah Carey 20 years ago that someday she would be the host on a talent show on, or a, a judge on a talent show on network television, she would have punched you in the throat. And now, and then if you would have told her what she would be making doing show that. Yeah. Yep. Mm hmm. Yeah. Tell her how much money she's going to be making. No, you know? no. I mean, I mean, tell her that she's selling, you know, shoes on HSN. It's very fun and festive. It's very fun and festive. <laughs> But like, she has, but she has to now. What? Because the the economics of the industry are such where like you know artists don't go diamond anymore, so you can't just make money by the royalty checks coming in from your label. And Didn't David Crosby just sell his entire catalog or something? Oh yeah, to his label. Well, a lot yeah. of these guys do, <clears throat> I mean, a, a, and a lot of them are doing a lot it. Of them uh, just did. Uh, it's it's becoming the world now. But that's the other thing I want to impart to indie artists is the less the the lesson that we're seeing from these streaming services paying three tenths of a cent per stream is if. Mariah Carey is not having the same lavish lifestyle from streaming services anymore. What chance do you have as indie artists? And so as indie creators, you need to be talking seriously about how do I create more revenue streams for myself? How do I diversify? How do I create my own makeup line? How do I create apparel lines? How do I get into other sectors of the entertainment business where I could potentially achieve success for myself? Because making money and, and, and living purely off of your recorded music those days are done. They're done. And but so the old guys, we, we the talk old about guys that on the show going forward. I'm saying the old guys will tell you that it was never the case. Nobody mm -hmm. ever made money doing it. You, if you sold a record for ten bucks, you maybe saw a dollar of that. That's right? true. So yeah, if you sold a million records, well yeah, because you had to like recoup your advance. Yeah, if you were lucky, you got to recoup <laughs> yeah. your advance. Oh yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, uh, but then the old guy, the old guys have also come along and said, "Yeah, streaming sucks." <laughs> so. Oh, streaming yeah, doesn't suck. Streaming is incredible. The fact that I can pull this thing out of my pocket and airplay whatever song I've ever wanted to hear to my TV right now if I wanted to is, is absurd. It's a technological I marvel. I threw out my CDs, like, yeah. the middle of last year. Yeah. Like, why are we still holding these? Everything is on the it's, internet. It's, I don't... like, I love the fact that I can discover new music not because um, I'm beholden to what a record label says should be played on a radio, but I have a guy on Twitch, which is a light, is a light violation, is a light violation, <laughs> is 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 playing new music cuts on Fridays, and then I just go in my phone. Ooh, I like that song. Search, add to library, and it's the way that I've discovered all of my new music Big for the last <laughs> for like the last like three months. Big ups to the Needle Drop, Anthony Fantano, aka Melon, aka. My favorite melon. In a music industry where it's never been more possible for an indie artist to get their music discovered by a worldwide audience, no matter where you are in the world. It also happens to be an industry where it's harder than ever to make money off of that exposure once you get it. And so you have to change the, the formula. Now, it's 
get the, use the music to get the exposure, to build that fan base, to get your tribe. And then once they're in the door, then you have to figure out what to do with them. Then you have to figure out how you're going to monetize them, whether it's a, it's a, a patron based model, like a Patreon or something like that, or it's a merchandising or, or something. Um, but that's what we want to talk about like every week on the show. And I've only been like, you know, talking about it for like five years and wrote a book about it and blah, blah, blah. All right. It's whatever. <laughs> it's a good we're book. Gonna, we're going to take just a little break, little break, just a, a light, light commercial break. And we'll be right back with Tim Exile from Endless here on Break the Business. Thank you so much for listening. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. You heard the man. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. So excited to have you here. Let's go ahead and bring on our guest who's been waiting so patiently. This is Tim Exile from Endless Studio here on the Break the Business podcast. Happy to be joined this week by the creator of Endless, the music-making app that allows musicians to collaborate with others on creating tracks from remote locations using cloud-based software. Our guest recently launched a desktop version of Endless Studio in December, and you can find out more by visiting www.endless.fm. We're happy to welcome Tim Exile onto the Break the Business podcast. Hi, Tim. Hi, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. As I mentioned in the intro, it is Endless, E-N-D-L-E-S-S-S.fm. I got to know, why the extra S in your name? What's going on there? Uh, well, firstly, try and get a trademark for anything endless with two S's. <laughs> it's pretty difficult. Um, trademark lawyer, I can appreciate that. Okay. Um, so an interesting fact about endless with two S's, um, the endless domain, endlesswithtwoss.com, is actually owned by Amazon. Um, so there's a, there's a podcast. I can't remember. I think it's how I built this podcast, where someone actually mentioned that they – um, we're building a shoe company based around that. Anyway, this is going way off topic already. But um, so it's partly about that, but it's also partly because it's a it's a um, it's a pun, really, because it it's endless. The end, the extra s suggests that it's music creation that's about doing. Um, it's about musical journeys, and, and really, journeys are marked by creative milestones. But really, they are. Endless, and this is how we approach music making. Perfect. So, am I pronouncing it right when I say endless, or should I be more like endless and just keep going forever? <laughs> I think it depends. <laughs> um, we we've taken to just pronouncing it like endless with two s's. But if you, if you want to emphasize the the extra s, then go right ahead. <laughs> well, the podcast has a limited time, so. <laughs> um, but. Rather than experiencing just sort of saying your name uh, off in, in ad infinitum, 
Uh, I want to talk about the experience that people have on Endless itself. And just actually, let's talk generally about just what it's like to collaborate on these cloud-based programs, because I'm hearing a lot more about music creators collaborating online, all on the same sort of platform from different locations. Can you tell us a bit about what that experience is like for those creators? How does it compare to the more typical experience of just creating music alone in a studio? Before I go into that, there's actually, there are two types of collaboration that I think often get bucketed into the same thing. Um, one of them is uh, consensus collaboration. And that we see, that's a lot more common these days. I'd say consensus collaboration is the Google Docs format where you've got a number of people um, collaborating, arbitrating on a single truth. And then you have conversational collaboration. And that's a collaboration that's a lot like how TikTok works. And obviously, that's been very, very successful. That collaboration allows someone to come up with an idea, someone to then take that idea, give their slant on it, then someone can reply to it. So it's interactive and conversational. Uh, that, I would say, marks Endless out from a lot of other music collab collaboration solutions out there. And it's a really magical experience. Um, the first time we got the technology running, about two years ago, uh, there were five of us collaborating between the UK, Germany, and the US. And it was spine-tingling, absolutely spine-tingling. And uh, what the, um, the, our friend Joe, who was in the US, said afterwards, it was, it was as good as being in the same room. And I think that's the really important takeaway from how it feels to use Endless. Once you get into a jam with a bunch of people, you feel like you're in the same room with them, trading ideas, bouncing off each other's very unique creativity. That's so important right now. I think during the pandemic, as creators are all sort of huddled off into their separate locations, having those opportunities to collaborate using technology are more valuable than ever. And I appreciate platforms like yours stepping up to bridge that distance gap with technology to allow creators to create. Because and to collaborate because I think creators are at their best when they can work together and using platforms like yours, they can do it. Do you have any advice for the listeners out there and the viewers out there on how to co collaborate well effectively using these technology platforms? Because plenty of artists are familiar with collaborating in the same location and that requires one skill set, but doing it on these platforms in a cloud-based interface is a completely separate skill set. Do you have any general advice on how these musicians can make that transition and collaborate well on platforms like yours? Well, in the case of Endless, I think it's the rules are pretty much the same, I would say. Um, as, you know, as I said earlier, it feels like you're in the same room as someone. And so really just observe the same rules as when you're in the same room as someone else making music together. Take time to listen. Take time to open up space for other people to um, put their creativity in. And um, and also know when to talk, uh, when to when to create, when to put your thing in. But it's it's very much it's very important to really uh, really try and up your game with uh, empathy and uh, listening, um, and also up your game in terms of listening to yourself. You know, listening to your your inner creativity, um, because I think it can it can often be. Um, it, can often, it can often be easy to lose sight of your own creativity. Um, so I generally, I would say listening is a very, very important part of it. Well, and I would imagine that that ability to achieve empathy and to remain listening to your collaborators and also listening to yourself is a bit of a transition when you're in remote locations and you have to adjust to it. But it sounds like You've really taken some steps with platforms like yours to make that transition as easy as possible. And look, there are a lot of remote collaboration platforms out there for musicians. Can you tell the folks out there a bit about what you think makes yours different? Well, as um, uh, Luke, back on what I was saying earlier, I think the way we built Endless is really it's conversational collaboration. It's not consensus collaboration. Uh, you can, there are people on Endless who've, who've then taken this conversational collaboration uh, collaboration and turn it into something more consensus-based. But Endless is really about come here, get into a musical conversation. And I think there aren't that many platforms that I know of anyway that are doing something similar. Um, I would also say um, another 
different slant on this is that we're coming to the age of continuous engagement. Uh, create all creatives across across different media are now expected to engage uh, continually, engage with their audiences, break open their creative processes, and so this is another big big trend um, that we really built Endless for. We want to break out musical creativity, so you can you can you can expose your creative process in a meaningful way, and you can use that creative process to engage people in a conversation. Oh, and that's a, a really exciting process. I, and it fits with the way that people are collaborating now, as you said, which I think is really exciting. And speaking of things that are exciting, the fact that uh, as of December, you've now transitioned Endless Studio into a desktop format, which I imagine is going to significantly expand the user base and uh, the interactions that can happen from a platform like this. And that's really exciting. And folks, you can find out more by visiting www.endless.fm. Our guest, Tim Exile, the creator of Endless, joining us this week. Tim, before we let you go, one last question. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? So I'll loop that back to this idea of continual engagement. I mean, this is the most important thing these days. Um, continual engagement is very exciting. It can also be exhausting. So I, I think actually the, the most important thing for creators these days is to really double down on managing your energy. Um, particularly if you're creative, it's very easy to overshoot and overspend on energy. Um, and, you know, we live in the age of the marathon, not the sprint. Um, so take it easy, do a little bit every day, make your creativity a journey, uh, make sure that you're doing the self-care and um, be open to engage in whatever comes your way. And those kind of impulses to embrace self-care, all the more important in light of everything that's going on right now. So I love where you're coming at here. You're giving us advice and tools to collaborate uh, during this difficult time, but you're also giving us some great advice on how to take care of ourselves during this difficult time. Tim Exile doing it all for us. Thank you so much for being on the program this week. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. It's been a real pleasure. And that was Tim Exile, everybody. You can find out more about our Wait, guest's work. Was I that... wanted to ask him questions. <laughs> Tim! Tim, oh, you snap in and out of that real fast. Yeah, he, he had to jet. Sorry. But you know it was live because you're wearing the same shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Yep. <laughs> I, you know what it you're is? You're a lawyer. You have a, a closet full of those shirts, I'm Just sure. Just that one shirt. You know, you know how many black t-shirts I own? Don't I know worry what about it. it is, guys. Same. I'm going to tell you right now. We're a, pan is a pandemic world that we're in. This is my Zoom shirt. This thing sits on the back of my chair... Mm. all the time i maybe wash it like once every two weeks and it only comes Ooh. on because i have to i'm not jogging in this thing it only comes on for the brief amount of time that i'm in a zoom meeting and then it comes right off and i'm wearing a t-shirt again and you're this not is my wearing world now. new normal you're not hashtag. wearing you're not wearing pants right now are you Super no, not. definitely not not even <laughs> remotely you want to see <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing i haven't seen before <laughs> Well, you're really not wearing pants. <laughs> okay, basketball shirt. Never mind. Whoa. It's, it's, okay, so we got a we had we had a face reveal, we had a thigh <laughs> reveal, we got a calf reveal. We can give all the people what they want on like live show episode whatever. Yeah. We just, just I mean I, I I already like just just you know played the uh the legs card on episode one. I don't know where we go from here. I can uh, show you some places. <laughs> oh. Endless is I a, say, Endless is a cool system though. That was going to say uh, the one thing that uh, I'm not even talking about the the thing he was talking about, but he he just he described working on uh, working with other musicians on a song as uh, a central truth, and that Ooh. was so powerful to me. <laughs> gave you goosebumps, did it? Give no, it, give like you little goosies. For me, two, music <laughs> is two things. As long as you're not a solo act, right? It is it is tension and release, which is the actual music part of it. But then it is um, another thing that I can't remember right now. It's really important. <laughs> oh no. 
No, no, music with multiple people is... I need you to release that tension, Evan. You set that up. Right? Music I know. No, music with multiple people is compromise. Ah. And and describing it as a single truth is very cool. And Like, everybody trying to get to the same single truth. That's very cool. So, Lauren, who's producing the show, by the way, I'll shout out to Lauren. Thank you. Edit all the things out. She's going to put that back up here, because this was a great comment that I wanted to talk about when we came back from the interview here. Oh, Jean. What's up, Jean? One of what I am almost positive is Elisa's uh, viewers asked about a musician uh, founding and running a podcast and what royalties can come from that. And I like this question, not just because it's a great question, but it allows us to talk about what I think is a really cool emerging phenomenon lately. Speaking of like taking on new revenue streams as an artist of musicians starting to do podcasts. Um, Certainly a lot of the big ones are doing it right. But a lot of indie artists, Uh, MXM tune, who's sort of a, uh, up-and-coming uh, indie, lo-fi, pop, ukulele kind of artist, kind of a big thing now with the Gen Zs. She started up a podcast, and a, a lot of artists are doing it now because it's a way for them to directly engage with their fans, let their fans get to know who they are on a more personal level and not just through the song. And if you can do it the right way, there are all sorts of revenue streams that can come from it, whether it's doing ads, which you know many podcasts have, or if you set the podcast up as sort of a patron thing, you know, where it's, oh, if you subscribe, if you're a patron to me on Patreon, you get access to this podcast. Or I have the public podcast that everybody gets to listen to. But if you want the special podcast. Where, if you're trying to see anything more out of Ryan's legs. That's right. Subscribe. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you want, you know, if, if you're fine with just below the knee, then, then you need not subscribe. But, no, can't even. You um, you did make sure to add the link to the OnlyFans as part of the Twitch bio, right? Speaking of lucrative revenue streams, my no. goodness. Um, so the, 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 my two favorite music industry writers, uh, Chertkow and Feehan, put out this book uh, called uh, like Making Money in Music. And every time they release a new edition, because it's like all the different revenue streams that musicians have, every time they put out a new edition, they have to add like 10 more revenue streams. And I'm almost positive the next... Uh, ch- next version is going to have like chapter 98 selling pictures of your feet on OnlyFans. <laughs> I mean. So I have a book on the bookshelf that I was forced to buy in college. It's called Music, Money, and Success. And after two weeks of the class, I put a comma and a question mark. And now it's music, comma, or money and success. <laughs> hey, I got a but rim shot. It, it, it's, a, it, it's a great question. So thanks very much for the commenter for throwing that in. Alisa, uh, we got about eight minutes left. And oh. I mean, Allegedly. I mean, we don't really, right? Like, it's not like there's a, it's not like local hey. news is coming on after this. I guess if we stretch for a little longer, <laughs> that's fine. Thank you for that comment, by the way. I saw that one run across the screen and just make my day. Uh, Elisa, you were telling me before we were recording that you are in the market for a new streaming service, or sorry, a new, yes. new distribution service for your catalog with Crimson. I want to hear about this. Yes. I like how you say catalog. Like, I, like I have more than three mp3s well there's also the, the <laughs> jingle stuff we've done and the the youtube stuff we put together that's true that's true i guess that's not on spotify that is not on spotify we would get sued for one of those that, yep that is um it is available uh via the uh band camp that is crimsonrocks.bandcamp.com it's free on Bandcamp, and donations are encouraged yeah pay what you like a buck 50 gets you the whole discography hey does that work by the way can I just can I just like record somebody else's song and, and, and then sell it and then tell people it's free but ask for donations? Um, if you are making it available for down, oh, wow, we have to, you're maybe getting the mechanical licensing. <laughs> so, Curious. B- by the way, we do have a uh, we do have a, a rep from the mechanical licensing collective that's going to be coming on the show in two weeks. So stay tuned what? for that. So you get all that's your mechanical- make that a two hour show. That's make, bananas. Make that. so that, that's going to be pretty neat. But anyway. Okay, so oh, fine. We'll just drop drop this in for like thirty seconds before you tell me about your uh, new yeah. distribution service, Elisa. Um, if you are covering a song, right, then you get in the mechanical license world where you need to uh, pay certain royalties to the songwriter to be able to use the song. If you're doing it on a streaming service, a la a Spotify or an Apple Music, they pay the mechanicals, and so you're all good there. If you are making it available on a for download, like you often would with Bandcamp. Um, or iTunes, then you have to pay the mechanicals, and that's that 9.1 cents per download you keep hearing about, right? Uh, 9.125. Is it? Whoa, it went up. <laughs> Look at that. Um, no, it's been like that since college, Ryan. We were in college <laughs> together. 
They should really raise it's, that. Then. It's always been 9.125. Well, well, but, but you have to understand, like, Evan, I don't, I don't remember the number because I don't traffic in those numbers anymore because we don't do it by copies anymore. Nobody, it's the nobody streaming traffics services those now where it's like 0. .0000021 cents per stream or something for the mechanical license in the streaming world. But anyway, if you are making a song available for download, even for free, and it's a cover, you have to pay the, the 9.1 cent mechanical license. You can use a platform like Easy Song Licensing, uh, and you can pay the, the mechanical licenses to them, and they'll pay the copyright holders. We can do a whole thing on that uh, down the road. Yeah, well, I mean, the, this, well. Well, I, I've, I've, I've seen this. A, a buddy of mine uh, licensed a song um, for his, like, synthwave project or whatever, and uh, he, he paid up front for, like, 100 streams of it or something, and that was their solution to like, how do we figure out how to pay these people? Does that work? What happens after 100? Are they going to come for you? Like, how do they know? Who cares? Like, Officially, we respect the rights of copyright holders and should pay people absolutely. the licenses, all, all they're entitled to. But yes, in many cases, especially if you're dealing in small quantities, they may never find out. But... If Are they going to get that however, 10 bucks that he paid for that you, 100 those well, But here's the other thing. Again, if you were distributing the music through a streaming, a DSP, like a Spotify or an Apple Music, then don't pay easy song licensing for the mechanicals because the streaming right. service is covering it. You distribute it through your distribution service. It goes onto the platform, and then it gets taken care of on that end. So don't pay easy song licensing for something that, a, that, that Spotify is already paying. Now, okay. what's interesting is one of the reasons that I switched distribution services oh, yeah, is because is let's talk about my family. Bringing it somewhere. back around. This is why I'm a host. <laughs> this is what I want to do for a living. <laughs> I'm gonna just bring it back. <laughs> Hurting cats. Um, so the one of the reasons that I switched is because we're recording our new EP progress update video coming soon on YouTube.com/slash Elisa Rockdoc. But um, we're recording the new Sooner EP. Sooner for Patreons. Thank you. It, it, it will be up a day sooner for uh, those of us who uh, uh, support via Patreon. Patreon.com slash Elisa Rock Doc. Um, so we're recording that, but one of the songs that we're recording is a cover. Mystery cover that shall not be named just yet. Um, but one of the cool things that, well, when, when we did our first EP, it, we did it through CD Baby to get it on streaming services, and we had to pay, I don't know, it was upwards. It was like over like 20 bucks a song or something. It, it, was, it was a little like, mm, yeah, it was a little up, dicey. Big upfront costs with CD Baby. Yeah, and, so, and that was per tune, and thankfully we only had, you know, three songs and not a whole album. But then I'm, I'm in a space where, you know, it's literally 10 years between recording EPs, and I'm in a space where I'm like, we could do a bleeps and bloops. We could do a Billie Eilish. We can make music f so much faster now. We don't have to rent studio space. We don't have to herd the cats that are all of the musicians and producers and engineers that we have to get in the same room at the same time. Um, and we don't have to do that anymore. So thank you, Walter. <laughs> no one herds cats like me. And if anybody knows, it is Walter. Um, I'm, I'm in a space where I want to be more prolific and do that thing that the Spotify guy said. Was like, we'll just make more music then. Mm. Um, like, I, I want to do that. Um, I, hate, I hate that guy. <laughs> I, I, I want to do that. But to pay like 20 bucks every single time I have an idea I want to put on the internet? No, thank you. So I moved stuff over to DistroKid because that is an annual fee for unlimited uploads. And then in, in speaking to the kind of mechanical licensing thing, there's like another little add-on that you can do where it's like, yeah, sure, upload a cover. We got you. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure that copyright, whatever royalty situation off of your streaming of that, like that's all taken care of. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'm like, okay. Because we, we also traffic in covers on our Twitch show. And we want to produce, like, nice versions of the stuff that we do on our live show. <laughs> no, we have to give ourselves, like, an easy way to do that. But you mentioned that there might be some interesting things about DistroKid that I hadn't necessarily heard about. Well, yeah, there, there is. So it's a weird time to be uh, getting into DistroKid because right now they're, <laughs> they're getting a little bit of bad press lately because um, – a, a lot of uh, Spotify is taking down a lot of tracks be that have been hit that are uh, being suspected of bots streaming them over and over again 
uh, to like you know get the streams up. By the way, uh, uh, that's another problem with uh, those with uh, pro rata royalty pools with these DSPs is they are very vulnerable to botting because a bot can go in and just if it if if you if you pay a bot to listen to your thing a billion times, um, then you know that person gets more money than they don't deserve and everybody else gets less. Not as much of a problem with user centric royalties, but digress. Um, the re- you know a lot of the uh, tracks that came out of the that that bot uh, dragnet that Spotify did were DistroKid songs. That being oh. said, not hating too hard on DistroKid because there is a lot of truth to what you're saying about the model working well for your situation. This is an important thing for indie creators to understand when it comes to distributing music. Not all distribution services are created equal, and depending on what your strategy is for how you're going to put music out there, you're going to lean one way or another towards streaming a, a different distribution service. So, look, I love CD Baby, all right? Uh, full disclosure, Kevin Bruner, VP of CD Baby, Chris Robley, Director of Marketing for CD Baby, they are friends of Break the Business. Had them on the show a bunch of times. They're great. The company's great. They do a good job. But if your strategy for distributing music is what a lot of artists are doing now, which is I'm not going to put out an album you know, I'm not putting. I'm not the old way of an album every two years. Um, instead, I'm just putting out as much content as I can. I'm making music with my friends in the garage. We're putting out a new song every week, and just getting it out there because I want to. I want exposure. And if that's your model, having to pay a company like CD Baby every time you post a song up front, that's not going to work. That the volume's going to kill you. Whereas a pla- you know, so whereas with DistroKid where you pay the one fee and you can upload as much as you want without any problem, that works for the, the volume shooters of the, uh, of the music world. Similarly, another streaming, another distribution service. Keep mixing up distribution and streaming. Another I was going to say, distribution if, if, service. If, if, if that's for the volume shooters, then, then what's like the Tyler Hero like, <laughs> like level so, yeah, of... The, the Tyler Hero <laughs> is, you know, the, uh, right, like, you know, sports no. references are so <laughs> over my head. Like the like CD Baby is the middle ground where, you know, you're going to put out some stuff, but like you also still do big album projects. The ultimate of the I'm the album project only artist in terms of distribution services is TuneCore. If you think you're putting out music, um, you know, just once every couple years and you think you're going to do crazy numbers because you're kind of a big-time indie artist, then you want to go with TuneCore, because TuneCore, they're going to charge you for every song you upload, but they're not going to take a commission. Mm. But they will charge you for every year you want them to keep distributing that music. Oh. Right. So I've seen a lot of indie artists that are low-career get burned by TuneCore, where they, they put out their first album and go... I don't want the uh, distribution service taking 10%. This song's going to do crazy. I'm going to get billions of streams, so I'm going to pay the $75 or whatever it is up front, and then they wind up getting very few streams, and then after a year, their song is gone because they didn't want to pay another $75 to keep it up again. Whereas if you're doing crazy numbers, you'll pay the $75 up front every year because you're going to save a ton of money not having this distribution service skimming off a commission. So depending on what your situation is, you're going to want a different streaming service or distribution service every time. <laughs> but. Well, I mean, how 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 is your band approaching it, Evan? So Try More Mojo, uh, we put out our first EP last year in February, and we went through CD Baby because that's what I'd gone through in the past. Um, they do good work. And yeah, I mean, no, and it, and it went up fine. There was a little discrepancy of, like, when it was supposed to go live on the streaming platforms, which is a problem when you have a, a CD release party, and <laughs> they're telling you that the, oh, your album? that Yeah, no, it's not going to be up until, like, two weeks after that. So we made, like, like a stack of 100 CDs, and, and we, like, sold physical CDs and USB drives. Like, hey, if you want the album? Yeah, it's out. Here, please buy this because it's not on the... And you then the morning schedule of- the banquet hall, right? Well, and then the, mor- the but the funny thing is the morning of the of the CD release party, it just went live. They just never told us, which is a problem because we didn't have a chance to promote it, which is great. Um, but yay, it was up on time. So we're actually moving to DistroKid for our, for all of our future releases because they 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 so far they seem to be better about one getting it up to the streaming platforms faster. But um, yeah, it's just it's easier to deal with. 
for the most part. I don't know. I, and and I found that even features were like, hey, by the way, also pro tip, make sure that um, that your band name is uh, not so common that you have to fight with having a bajillion artist pages um, that mm. all say crimson on them and <laughs> all of them have all sorts of different music that is not yours on it. Um, but one of the cool things about Distro, Distro Kid too is that it has a cool service where it's like, hey, get this person's music off of my page or get my music off of this other Crimson's page. Um, And it seems like it's a pretty easy, low-friction way of doing that, which is something that I have to deal with (laughs) a lot because I picked a common-ass name for my band. So the the band I was in... The band I was in Miami forever was called Juke, and Juke is still out there, and they're still making music, and they're awesome. Um, but they have the same problem. They're not the only band named Juke. There's probably 10,000 of them. And they're, like Juke's songs are on so many different artists' names, which is you know annoying when you're trying to search it. But where's the money going? Because if they got it wrong on the page, are they getting all the – is that is that Juke getting the, the my, my money? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I want to say that Distro Kid had that in the FAQ that was like no, because like every like your thing is or like every song itself has an identifiable like basically like UPC code. Well, yeah, like yeah. ISRC numbers that. Yeah, 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 and that that is linked to you, the correct person. So it should be fine. It it, it, be. it it just sucks for discoverability. This yeah. would be a great jumping off point for an awesome conversation about trademarks and registering a trademark in your band Let's name. Do it. Let's but do we're going to have to put that pin in that for a later oh, show because to be continued, got to keep them coming back, baby. Thank you all very much for watching the maiden voyage of break the business as a live stream. This has been an absolute treat. Let me just uh, do a quick begging session here. Uh, please. I would say, you know, smash that subscribe button, but a gentle click will do. That's a brand new subscribe button. Please don't wreck it. Just little. T- <laughs> oh, we just, you just got flagged. Your whole stream just got muted now. What? Oh, demonetized. No. Lisa saying something. Yeah. Okay. Scared me for a second there. Uh, yeah. So subscribe to Break the Business on whatever platform you're watching this on: Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. You can, if you have a question that you want us to talk about on the show, or a topic you want us to talk about, or you just want to say hi. You go to breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan, K-A-I-R. That's my first name. And the first four letters of my last name. Evan and Elisa's Twitters are right there. They are far more interesting follows than I, so I would... Oh, Evan doesn't tweet much, but when he does... <laughs> oh, it's really important. It's actually so. pretty great. If, if, if I'm tweeting, it's only tweeting at the... What is it? The Rocket City Trash Pandas. You, which are, is t- you are the Udonis Haslam of tweeting. That's right. <laughs> Everybody go check out the Rocket City Trash Pit. Is a triple A, double A? I don't even know. It's a it's a it's a minor league baseball team. It's a feeder to the Angels, but they have the best uh mascot and logo ever. Oh, we're gonna do that topic. We will definitely do funniest minor league mascots because we got into a rabbit hole on this. You the answer is trash pandas. <laughs> Thank you, Alex Purvey, for for pointing Aww. me in that direction. <laughs> Uh, but yes, thank you so much. And, and, and also, by the way, I'm going to do this because you're not going to do this yourself. As you are plugging yourself, if folks would like to support um, Break the Business in a financial fashion and not just uh, by watching, liking, and subscribing, where can they go? Buy my money. book. Oh, buy there's a book, of book. course. Yes. Um, if, you are, if you're a book person, if you, if you want to, uh, I, I wrote a book about how to move your career forward as an indie creator. It's called also, creatively enough, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. You can check it out at Amazon. It is available in paperback, ebook, and if you're not sick of my voice yet, audiobook. And, uh, the audiobook is very good. I got to proof listen to that. That's right, you it was did. Very, a very fun listen. <laughs> that's, very, that's very nice of you. Um, all right. Thank you all so much for watching. Please tell your friends so we can keep this going and build a big community to empower indie creators. Thanks for watching Break the Business. We'll see you next week.